Okay, we're going to come right to the Word. Normally we sing a song, but uh, we're going to come right to the, to the Word now. If you are new, or if you're visiting with us, uh, last week we began an Advent series through John's pro- prologue called The Word Made Flesh. Uh, we're celebrating and remembering this season of Advent. If you're unfamiliar with the word Advent, it simply means arrival or, or coming. And so this is a season where we especially focus on the coming of Christ, both remembering his first coming, his birth, but then also looking forward in anticipation to his second coming, his second Advent. And uh, it's, it's a really good season. It's a really wonderful season if you enjoy contemplating the mystery of God, if you, if you like having your brain exploded, you know, in the best possible way, because it's in this season where we meditate on the fact that Jesus is the divine word made flesh. The infinite becomes finite. The immortal becomes mortal. The eternal becomes temporal. The unchangeable becomes a baby who has to learn and grow. And forever now, Jesus lives as the God-man. Um, and so that's what we come to now to consider again this morning in uh, John's first, uh, his prologue, the first 18 verses. So uh, if you have a Bible in front of you, you can open up to John chapter 1, starting in verse 4. If you don't have a Bible, there's Bibles over there on the table. Uh, and let me read to you from John's gospel, starting in chapter 1, verse 4. Just two verses today we're going to meditate on. Verses 4 and 5. Hear God's word. In him was life. And the life was the light of men. The light shines in the darkness. And the darkness has not overcome it. Let me read it one more time. Listen to these words. In him, that's Jesus, in him was life. And the life was the light of men. The light shines in the darkness. And the darkness has not overcome it. Would you pray with me one more time, briefly? Lord, uh, this is your word, and it is true and authoritative and Uh, all that we need for life and godliness. Lord, would you quiet the minds and the hearts of these brothers and sisters now that we might consider, that we might feed on your word and your truth, that we might see Christ and that our hearts might be renewed and faith. That as we began the service, as I said, that we might come to stand again in the light of your love to us in Christ. Would you do that now by your spirit in our hearts and in our lives, we pray in Jesus' name, amen. For the last uh, several years, our family uh, has taken a trip every, at the end of the summer to the Outer Banks. And each year at the end of our week, on the day that we drive home, the last thing that we do together as a family before we drive, before we head home, is we walk down to the beach, and we watch the sunrise together. And every year, I have the same thought. As the sun comes up, I think to myself, why don't I do this more often? I should do this more often. 
Because every time I watch the sun rise, you, 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 there's quiet, there's a moment to just watch and see the sunrise. You get a fresh wave of life and hope and beauty and, and comfort. And I know it's cliche, but it's the realization that no matter how dark the night is, the sun will always rise and bring with it fresh light and fresh life and fresh hope. It's no surprise why the scriptures describe the coming of Christ into the world as a light piercing into the darkness. We read earlier in Isaiah 9 a prophecy about the coming Messiah. The people who walked in darkness have seen a great light. Those who dwelt in a land of deep darkness, on them has light shone. Or think of Zechariah's prophecy in Luke, prophesying uh, about his son, John the Baptist, who would be the forerunner to the Messiah. He says, And you, child, will be called the prophet of the Most High, for you will go before the Lord to prepare his ways, to give knowledge of salvation to his people in the forgiveness of their sins, because of the tender mercy of our God, whereby, listen to these words, whereby the sunrise shall visit us from on high to give light to those who sit in darkness and in the shadow of death to guide our feet into the way of peace. The coming of the Messiah is described as a light shining in the darkness. Jesus is the morning star that rises out of Jacob. And Jesus says of himself, when we get all the way to the end of the book, he says, I, Jesus, have sent my angel to testify to you about these things for the churches. I am the root and the descendant of David, the bright morning star. It's why virtually every Christmas song utilizes these themes of light and darkness. And I don't know, if you were paying attention, maybe you've caught on to the theme here of light and darkness Right? Virtually every Christmas song makes use of these themes. This is, this is what we sang this morning. Hail the heaven-born Prince of Peace. Hail the Son of Righteousness. S-U-N. Son of Righteousness. Light and life to all he brings. Risen with healing in his wings. We sang, uh, come behold the dawning of the King. What, what dawns? The sun. Come behold the dawning of the king. In our longing, in our darkness, now the light of life has come. We sang in uh, Sing We the Song of Emmanuel. Low in the shadows of Bethlehem. The shadows, the darkness. Low in the shadows of Bethlehem. Promise of dawn. Now our eyes behold. And in the end, at the end verse, we sang, uh, Lift up your heads for your king has come. Sing for the light overwhelms the dark. And O come, O come, Emmanuel, we sang, O come thou day spring, come and cheer, disperse the gloomy clouds of night and death's dark shadows put to flight. You see, all over, all over Christmas, all over the coming of the Messiah are these themes of light coming into darkness. And, and aren't these songs so meaningful and aren't these themes so meaningful to us because we know what it is to live in a life and in a world of darkness. 
Immediately, when I say the word darkness, can't you identify parts of your lives that feel like shadows, that feel like the gloomy clouds of night have settled over you? We know what it is to be in the darkness of heartache, in the darkness of fear, in the darkness of confusion and uncertainty, uncertainty, the darkness of pain, the darkness of our own sin, the darkness of depression, the darkness of feeling alone, the darkness of loss. We know what it is to live and to feel as though we are in a world of darkness. And what we long for is life and hope and joy. And what we need is a light that shines through and puts the darkness to flight. That's what we need. That's what you need this morning. A light that shines through and puts the darkness to flight. Into the, to the darkest nights of our soul, John's word pierces through. In him was life, and the life was the light of men. The light shines in the darkness. Brothers and sisters, hear my words. Hear John's words. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. This morning, I just want to dwell with you on this reality, that Jesus is the light of the world and the only hope for those who are in darkness. I want to dwell with you on that reality. You know, the the Puritans were famous for taking an idea and just spinning it around like a little diamond until they appreciated and, and, and stood in awe of every beautiful angle. Or maybe a more contemporary example. How many Kids, how many of you have seen Willy Wonka? Yes, Jay has seen Willy Wonka. Good. Uh, do you know in Willy Wonka, the everlasting gobstopper? It's the candy you put in your mouth and its sweetness never runs out. That's what we're going to do here. And we will never get to the end of the sweetness of this truth But that's what we're going to do. We're just going to spin it around in our mouths and enjoy its sweetness. So Jesus, the light of the world who gives us hope in the darkness, three things I want you to consider. That the light exposes the darkness, the light conquers the darkness, and the light guides us in the darkness. Three things. Exposes the darkness, conquers the darkness, and guides us in the darkness. So first, the light exposes the darkness. Now, this one at first may seem counterproductive to hope and joy, but it's necessary because we cannot truly receive and stand in the light until we first see that we are in darkness. The first thing the light does is it reveals the darkness for what it is. I don't know much about makeup stores and... That's evidenced by the fact that I don't even know the name. I just call them makeup stores. But I do know that when you go into one of these makeup stores, there is a reason that they have the light cranked up to 11. It's because when you look in their mirrors, they want that light to expose every blemish and every wrinkle and every imperfection. And that's what light does. It exposes. If you've ever painted a bedroom or a room in your house. I'm sure you know the experience of painting and looking at a job well done and being pleased with yourself. And then the very next day, the sunlight comes in and you see all the spots that you missed. Because the light 
exposes. And the first thing Jesus does when he comes into the world is he exposes to us the darkness of our own hearts by the light of his life. Now, under the light of Christ's life, we see all the blemishes, we see all the wrinkles, we see all the imperfections, we see the sin of our own hearts and our own souls. You know, when, when our family goes down to the, to the beach on that last day and we go down to watch the sunrise, when we first get down there, it's dark and it's gloomy and all you really can see on the beach are just shadows and shapes. But as soon as the light explodes over the horizon, what was hidden all of a sudden becomes clear. Jesus is the light of the world who brings clarity to what sin has made us, who shows us in the light of day what sin has really done to us. Now, maybe you don't think of yourself as a sinner, or maybe you acknowledge that you are sinful, but it's not that bad. But that's because you've never stood really and truly in the light of Christ's life. When you stand under the light of Christ's life, what you find is the full breadth of the darkness that is in you exposed. In fact, later on in John's gospel, he tells us that everyone by nature actually runs from the light because they know their deeds are evil. They resist Christ because they know that to come to him is to have their darkness exposed. These are his words in John 3. He says, and this is the judgment. The light has come into the world and people loved the darkness rather than the light because their works were evil. For everyone who does wicked things hates the light and does not come to the light lest his works should be exposed. But whoever does what is true comes to the light so that it may be clearly seen that his works have been carried out in God. You see that the light exposes It exposes the darkness. And we live in darkness, and without the light, we can't see our own corruption. We just see shadows and shapes. But under the light of Jesus Christ, we see the truth. When you come to the Word, when you come to Jesus Christ, what God, first what God does is tells you the truth about who you are and what you are. Have you allowed the light of Christ's life to expose you? I know, I told you this little counterintuitive to hope and joy, we will get there. But first, Christ's light has to expose you. Have you allowed Christ's light to expose you? Has has his perfect humility exposed your pride? Has his perfect patience exposed your irritability? Has his eagerness to forgive exposed your, for your bitterness? Has his committed love exposed your apathy? Has, has his sacrificial service exposed your selfishness? Has his abundant generosity exposed your stinginess? Has the light of Christ's lavish kindness exposed your rudeness? Has his tender compassion exposed your harsh and judgmental spirit? Has his quiet contentment exposed your grumbling heart? 
Has his fearless courage exposed your cowardice? Has his unfailing faithfulness exposed your faithlessness? Has his stalwart honesty exposed your deceit? Has his relentless devotion exposed your laziness? Has his spotless purity exposed your dirt? Has his absolute holiness exposed your evil? Has his perfect obedience to God exposed your hatred and rebellion towards God? Has his light exposed your darkness? Have you stood under the light of Christ and allowed his light to expose you? You are exposed whether you realize it or not. You are naked and exposed before him. Have you come to see him? Have you come to see yourselves the way he sees you apart from his grace? Have, has his light exposed you? And no one wants to see the truth of who they are apart from God. I've heard it said that um, if you could see one another, right? If you could see one another in your glorified state in the future, you'd be tempted to bow down and worship one another. But the opposite is true too. If you could really see the darkness that's in my heart, and if you could really see the darkness that was in one another's heart, you, you would all shriek in horror at one another. It's terrifying and ugly. We're, we're afraid to see the truth. You know, I think of a child. You know, Those of you that have kids, you ever get a kid with like a real gnarly gash on their leg? And they're like, I don't want to look at it. Don't show it to me. Just fix it. I don't want to see it. That's us sometimes. We don't want to see it. We want to ignore it. But if you want to know the warmth of Christ's light, you must first allow his light to expose the truth of your darkness. And just by way of application here, brothers and sisters, are there areas in your life, areas of sin that you know that are still in darkness? Areas of sin that you have not brought into the light? You know our first parents, Adam and Eve, do you know what they did when they sinned? you remember what they did? What did they do? They hid. They hid in darkness. Brothers and sisters, there is forgiveness and light and joy. Are there sins in your life that you have kept hidden and refused to bring into the light? It's nothing less than self-justification. It's nothing less than a desire to justify yourselves, to think you can handle it, you can fix it. But you know you can't. And the blessing of the gospel is that you can confess those sins and know that when you come to him with your darkness, his light will shine upon you and you will know forgiveness and compassion and mercy. That your brothers and sisters, when you confess sin to them, will minister you the gospel of God's grace that you might know freedom and forgiveness and the warmth of God's light. And the power there is now to stand up under the darkness. But the only way you will ever do that, the only way you will ever expose yourself to the light, that your darkness might be seen, is if you know that at the same time you expose your darkness, the light will conquer it. The light exposes the darkness, but the light 
also conquers the darkness. Isn't that part of the reason, maybe the main reason, that we are afraid to really and truly look into our darkness because we are afraid that when we look into it, we'll be swallowed up by it. We know that we are helpless to contain it, let alone destroy it. And what what will happen if we really look into the darkness of our own hearts? What will happen if we really take the mask off, if we really let the light shine, and we really look into the darkness of our own hearts? Won't we be consumed by it? And the world's answer is, no, 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 no. It's not that bad. It's not that bad. You're you're actually mostly good. Everything's going to work out in the end. But our hearts tell us a different story, don't they? You know, one of the most common themes in in modern movies and modern stories is consuming darkness. You know that? You know, uh, I'll give you a couple examples. Uh, In Star Wars, the whole plot of the movie is the dark side of the force threatens to snuff out the light side. Or if you grew up in the, raise your hand if you grew up in the 90s. Okay, so this this reference will land on you. Uh, Never-ending story. Never, ever, the nothingness is this big cloud of darkness sweeping across and threatening to destroy all of Fantasia. Or the Lord of the Rings. You know, this story centers around the darkness of Sauron's forces and the, the dark powers of Mordor to destroy Middle Earth, right? One ring to rule them all, one ring to find them, one ring to bring them all, and in the darkness, bind them. Or kids, raise your hand if you've seen Moana. Okay, how does Moana begin? Moana begins, Maui takes the heart out of Tefiti, and then what happens? There's this darkness, and it's creeping over all the islands, and it's threatening to destroy the paradise that they have known. Now, here's my point. I don't think the people writing those stories, save maybe Tolkien, had John 1 in mind. But they know, don't they? Even though they don't realize it, the truth is written on their hearts and on ours. Intuitively, we know that a darkness has crept over this world. That things are not the way that they should be. They're not the They're not the way they should be in the world. They're not the way they should be in our own hearts. And we see it every day. We see it in our jobs. We see it in our neighborhoods. We see it on the news. And in our most honest moments, we see that that very darkness is in our hearts. Ephesians 5.8 is very encouraging, but it begins this way. At one time, you were darkness. And realize what he does not say. It's true that we were in darkness, but he says, at one time, you were darkness. And all of these stories, all the stories that we, that we see in these movies, they're all projections of our fear that one day the shadows of evil are finally going to swallow us up completely. We write stories where the light finally wins because we know the truth about our world and we want there to be hope that the darkness can be defeated. But in truth, we know that we are powerless to defeat the dark and that in the end, there is nothing we can do to keep the world and ourselves from completely being swallowed up by the darkness. And you know what? 
That's absolutely true. That's absolutely true. That's what the Bible says. You know, Jesus, when Jesus talks about hell, do you know how he describes hell? He says it's a place of outer darkness where there is weeping and gnashing of teeth. What we need is one who can conquer the darkness for us. There's no way we can contain it, destroy it. We need one who can conquer the darkness for us. We need the morning star to rise and to drive away the shades of night. We need the everlasting light. One of my favorite Christmas songs starts this way. It says, long lay the world in sin and error pining till he appeared and the soul felt its worth. A thrill of hope, the weary soul rejoices for yonder breaks a new and glorious morn. Light, light pierces into the darkness. The light shines in the darkness and the darkness has not overcome it. Now let me point out a couple of things here in verses five. In the ancient world, light and dark were uh, dual forces. They were uh, two equal but complementary forces. Night gave way to day and day gives way to night. Light is a symbol for knowledge. Uh, Dark is a symbol for mystery. Both necessary, both beneficial in its time. But do you see here in John's gospel that there's no hint of dualism? There's no hint of the light and the darkness on equal footing. The verb overcome here is, is hard to translate Uh, Some versions, if you have uh, a different version, if you're reading a different version, it might read, the darkness has not understood it, or the darkness did not comprehend it. But the better translation is overpower. The darkness has not overpowered it, or the darkness has not overwhelmed it. You see, John's point is that the light is a conquering force that cannot be overcome by darkness. Light and darkness are set in violent opposition to one another, But in John's gospel, it's not a fair fight, right? Light overcomes darkness. And and think about it. Even the smallest candle, you go into a dark room, even the smallest candle, a whole room of darkness does not have the ability to snuff out the light of that small candle. And one solitary ray of light can dissipate the blackness of night. And so it is with Christ. The light comes into the world and the darkness doesn't stand a chance. But but here's what's even cooler. Do you notice that John in this passage in verse 5 switches tenses right in the middle? Think with me. I know distraction. It's okay. Dial in with me here for a second. Look at verse 5. You got your Bible open? Okay, look at verse 5. He says, the light shines, present tense, ongoing. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. Past tense, definitive. Why? You you might expect John to, to write, the light shines in the darkness, and the darkness does not overcome it. Or the darkness will not overcome it. But he says, the darkness has not overcome it. Why? Why does he write it that way? It's John describing a single decisive event. Remember, John is writing 40 years after the life and death 
of Jesus Christ. And as he begins his gospel, he knows how the story goes. He knows what happens between light and darkness. He knows that light and darkness are going to meet in a climactic battle. Darkness will try to snuff out light altogether, but the light will shine so bright that it will break the power of darkness altogether. And where does that climactic battle take place? It takes place at the cross. It takes place at Calvary. It's at the cross where the light of the world is hung upon a tree. And Mark's gospel tells us that at the sixth hour, there was darkness over the entire land. Now what's happening? There's no wasted detail in the scriptures. Why are we told that the whole world was covered in darkness at Christ's crucifixion? Because as Christ hung on the cross, dying, All the darkness of sin's curse was crashing down on him. And brothers and sisters, he was consumed and swallowed up by the darkness. He was consumed by the darkness. The words of Psalm 88 point forward to the cross. Psalm 88, 6 says this, You have put me in the depths of the pit, in the regions dark and deep. Your wrath lies heavy upon me, and you overwhelm me with all your waves. Your wrath has swept over me. Your dreadful assaults destroy me. They surround me like a flood all day long. They close in on me together. You have caused my beloved and my friend to shun me. My companions have become darkness. You see, what's happening on the cross is that Jesus has been abandoned. Not only has he been abandoned by all his friends, all his closest friends who have walked with him for three years have left him in darkness. He's been left alone, but not only that, he has been abandoned and forsaken by his father, and now his only companion is darkness, is judgment, is wrath, and Jesus is swallowed up by the darkness. Why is the wrath of God sweeping across the Savior, assaulting him in regions dark and deep until he is utterly destroyed and crushed into dust? Brothers and sisters, he is being swallowed up by the darkness so that you can become children of light. He is being swallowed up by the darkness that should have swallowed you up. He is standing in your place so that you will never know the fear and the dread and the hopelessness of an eternal darkness that consumes forever. He is conquering your darkness, amen? He goes down into the darkness of the grave so that he can overthrow the night. And brothers and sisters, the Lord Jesus Christ did not go down into the darkness of the grave to stay there forevermore. He really died, and they really buried him. His body was placed in a tomb, and the soul was rolled shut, but, 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 the darkness could not hold him. The darkness could not overcome him. The darkness could not overcome the light. The darkness could not snuff out the light. Three days later, the sun rose over the horizon, and the sun of righteousness rose over sin and death and darkness. He burst the bonds of darkness and rose to new life. In him was life. And the light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. 
He says, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will not walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. How can he say that? How can he say that? Because in him was life. And the life was the light of men because Jesus is the resurrection and the life. And more than anything, isn't the hope of light that we need a hope that will deliver us from the fear of the darkness of death? Brothers and sisters, do you know that you're going to die? This week, uh, I had the, the, the privilege of being able to go to a funeral for a believing old woman who was uh, a member at Joy Community Fellowship of Pittman. She was uh, our neighbor, Lindsay and I, when we first moved into Washington Township, she was our neighbor. Uh, and we went to the funeral there, and I always have this realization when you, when you walk up and you do the little greeting line, and there you, you stand by the casket, and there is this sweet woman who was filled with, with life and love, and there she is, and it's a corpse, and you are filled with this realization again that death is real. Do you know, brothers and sisters, that death is real? That one day your heart will stop beating, your lungs will stop pumping, the neurons in your brain will stop firing, and you will die. You will die. Is there, you, will, you will go into the darkness of death. And is there hope to be found in the darkness of death? Carol Porter knew there was hope. Carol Porter knew there was light. She knew that that light was in Jesus Christ. And everyone knows the darkness of their own soul and comes to the light. He transforms into children of light and gives to them eternal light. And John 12, 36 says, Believe in the light that you may become sons of light. Colossians 1 says, He has delivered us from the domain of darkness and qualified us to share in the inheritance of the saints in light. That's why we sing, Hail the heaven born Prince of Peace, Hail the Son of Righteousness. All who come to Him by faith, He shines, the Son of Righteousness shines on them and gives them His own righteousness, that death may not have the final word, that darkness may not have the final word, but with Christ they might rise with him to new life and light as children of light. For God who said, let light shine out of darkness has shown in our hearts to give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. Brothers and sisters, rejoice, for at one time you were darkness. But now in the Lord, you are light. Walk as children of light. Do you know what? Think of that imagery. You are children of light. Do you know what children of light are not afraid of? They are not afraid of the darkness. Why? Because they are children of light. They belong to the light. They are light. And you are light in the Lord if you have put your faith in him. Are you here this morning and have not yet come to Christ in faith? Perhaps you know that your life is filled with darkness. You look at your own heart and there's just confusion and blindness and hopelessness and fear and anxiety and depression. You see the darkness in your heart is there because you've hated the light. 
because you've lived your life in rebellion against God's light. You know the darkness, and you know that one day that darkness will consume you. Won't you come stand in the light? Won't you come stand in the light? There's nothing for you to do. Won't you in faith come stand in the bright shining light of Christ's mercy and compassion and grace whereby he receives darkened sinners? Whereby he receives those who say, all I have to bring you is darkness. Will you transform me into light? Will you conquer my darkness and make me into a child of light? You know, you put a, you put a plant in the darkness of a closet, and all it can do is die. But you put that same plant under the light of the sun, and it lives. And if you're not here trusting in Christ this morning, are you just going to stay in the closet? Are you just going to stay in the darkness and wait for that darkness to consume you to eternal death? Or will you turn away from the darkness and come to Jesus Christ, the light who gives life and gives hope and joy and peace in him. If that's you this morning, come to the light in faith. Talk to someone who, who came with you. Don't wait. May today be the day of salvation when finally you step out of the darkness and into the light and see Jesus for who he is, the light of the world who conquers all your darkness. Brothers and sisters, those of you this morning who are members in this church, who are trusting in Jesus Christ, do you feel the world is broken? Do you feel the shadows deepen? Do you know that all the dark won't stop the light from getting through? We live in a world, and even though we see the light and have been made light, we are not immune to the effects of living in the world of darkness. And even now, God in Christ comes to us and strengthens us to stand again in the light of Christ's love. You are children of light. The darkness has no more power to threaten you. Jesus Christ, the light of the world, has triumphed over darkness. And because you are in him, all the darkness can do is try to intimidate you. Just like one of those yappy little dogs. It's just all bark, no bite. It's there. It's darkness. It's annoying. It's painful at times. But those who have put their faith in Christ share in his victory over darkness and have the hope of light being finally, uh, of light finally conquering all darkness uh, forever. The light exposes the darkness. The light conquers the darkness. And, and, and briefly here as I close, the light guides us in the darkness. Even though John seems to be referencing this single climactic confrontation between light and darkness, the implication is that in an ongoing, present tense way, Jesus continues to strengthen his people to stand up under darkness and to make their way through the darkness until he faithfully guides them home to the shores of eternal light. John, later on in his gospel, will say this, If anyone walks in the day, he does not stumble because he sees the light of this world. You may naively think that the Christian life is 
or should be a walk through beautiful fields and uh, along comfortable trails, punctuated by moments where we stop and enjoy the pleasant scenery. Uh, But really, if you have lived the Christian life for any amount of time, you know it's more like a ship sailing in the night in heavy seas with waves crashing over the bow, water leaking into the boat, and violent winds threatening to plunge you into the depths of the ocean. But there is Jesus Christ, the lighthouse, guiding you, pointing you to the shores of eternal light. There is Jesus, the lighthouse, pointing you to Aslan's country, to the place where the scriptures tell us no longer will there be anything accursed, but the throne of God and the Lamb will be in it, and his servants will worship him. They will see his face. His name will be on their foreheads, and night will be no more. They will need no light of lamp or sun, for the Lord God will be their light, and they will reign forever and ever. And brothers and sisters, take courage and be strengthened, for the light of the world, Jesus Christ, is not only the lighthouse pointing the way to the port of eternal glory, he is the very captain in your ship. He is the very captain at the helm, steering you and guiding you and driving you through all of the darkness and through all the storms. And you can trust that he is able to do it, brothers and sisters, because he traveled through eternal darkness itself and came out on the other side to glory also that he could deliver you through. Brothers and sisters, when, when the darkness grows, when the darkness crowds around you, take courage in knowing that the sun has risen and the sun will rise over all creation and night one day will be banished forever. This is one of my favorite verses as of late, Romans 13, 12. Brothers and sisters, the night is far gone and day is at hand. Isn't that encouraging? The night is far gone. The battle has been won. Darkness has been conquered. And the day is at hand. So then let us cast off the works of darkness and put on the armor of light. In him was life. And the life was the light of men. The light shines in the darkness. And the darkness has not overcome it. And until that day when darkness is banished forever, this is what we sing. This life is just a vapor. We're almost home. The sun is setting yonder. We're almost home. Take courage. This is, if you get nothing, this is what I want you to walk away with today. Take courage, for this darkness shall break to dawn. Lift your eyes. We're almost home. Let me pray for us. Lord, we thank you for Jesus Christ, the light of the world. That he shines in the darkness and the darkness has not overcome it. And we look back on that day when when darkness tried to snuff out the light. And we rejoice to know that Jesus Christ, the light of the world, rose in victory over darkness and conquered the power of darkness and now promises us the hope of eternal life where darkness and night will be banished forever and where you yourself and where our Lord Jesus Christ will be the light. We will see him face to face. Lord, 
Give us endurance. Preserve us. Help us to take courage in knowing that you are the light that not only points the way to the shores of eternal light, but that you are the very captain in our ship guiding us who will unfailingly deliver us home. Give us courage, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen.